0: What's happening everybody, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to wildcard weekend of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. The playoffs are upon us, 17 weeks of the regular season have come and gone, and the games are now, you're either good enough or you're not good enough. Same goes for our game, the picks are either good enough or they're not good enough, it is playoff time. It is the best time of year to be a football fan. Let's do this. Boy, did we ever end the regular season on a high note, folks. Week 17, 14-2 straight up. Arguably one of my best straight up weeks that I have ever had. 14-2 and two straight up. The playoffs played out pretty well exactly the way that I thought they would except of course for the Washington Redskins because they're garbage 14 and 2 straight up that had me ending the season straight up 163 91 and 2 that is one of my best regular seasons since I've started doing this and I'm really excited about it against the spread we were only mediocre we only went 8 and 8 that has me ending the season 134 116 and 6 which I believe is down 4 from last season, I think I was 138 correct picks against the spread last season, so it wasn't a down season, but it was right around where we did last year. Where we really came up is the over-under, I was 9-7 and seven in week 17 over-under, that had me 135, 118, and 3, last season I believe I had 125 correct picks, so I came up big time in the over-under, almost a correct pick every week above what I did last season and that makes me really happy that the over-under really came up like that platinum gold silver and bronze we also ended the season on a strong note the bronze pick I told you to take Atlanta over New Orleans Atlanta wins that game 38 to 32 It wasn't against the spread loss because I told you to go Atlanta minus six and a half. They only won the game by six, so technically, unfortunately, that's a loss, but I did get the over-under. Actually, the only over-under in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze I actually got this week was in Atlanta, New Orleans. Told you to go over 56. They hit 70 points, so that was an over-under win there. Silver pick, as I mentioned, was a straight-up loss because the Washington Redskins played like they had nothing to play for when they had everything to play for. They lost that game 19-10 to to the New York Giants on a ridiculous end-of-the-game lateral uh, fumble recovery touchdown by the Giants, so they lose that game 19-10. to it wasn't against the spread win, because I told you to go Giants plus 8, because there's no way the Giants should have been 8-point underdogs in this game, even with Washington having everything to play for, so we won that against the spread Giants plus 8. It was not over-under loss, I told you to go over 44 points, they only get to 29. Gold pick, told you to take Kansas City over San Diego, that was uh, should have been a layup, it wasn't quite a layup, they had to fight for it, but they ended up winning the game comfortably 37-27. to It was an against-the-spread win, as I told you to go KC, minus 5.5 in that game, but an over-under loss, I told you to stay under 44.5 and, and they get to, what, 64, so that didn't quite work out. Platinum pick was a straight-up win. Told you to take Green Bay. I knew they were going to beat Detroit and win the division. They did that by a touchdown, 31-24. to Against the spread, it was a win. I told you to go Green Bay minus 3.5 in that game. Over-under, I lost it on the last second hail mary basically touchdown by the lions to bring it within seven points i told you to stay under 49 points it gets to 55 because of that touchdown so almost had that one so we end the season three and one straight up three and one against the spread but only one and three on the over under in the platinum gold silver and bronze and here's how those picks ended the season the bronze pick, I ended up ten and seven straight up. It was better than where we were sitting a few weeks ago, I believe at seven and seven, so I was at a three-game win streak there to end the season. Only seven nine and one against the spread and nine and eight. On the over-under silver pick 13 and 4 straight up that's excellent 11 and 6 against the spread that was actually my best against the spread mark in any of these picks was in the silver picks and 9 and 8 on the over-under as well gold pick 15 and 2 straight up which is right where you want to be 10 and 7 against the spread and my best over-under mark of any of the picks the gold pick was 10 and 7 on the over-under and the platinum pick also 15 and two straight up also right where you want to be 10 6 and one against the spread we'll take that but only eight and nine on the over under so should have been a little bit better on the over under with the platinum pick in total the platinum gold silver and bronze picks 53 and 15 straight up That's a great season mark across 17 weeks. 53 and 15 straight up, 38, 28 and 2 against the spread. We'll take that. Only 36 and 32 over under, but that is on the happy side of par. So we'll definitely take that on the over under. That's how the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks wound up on the season. Let's take a look now at the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools for season five of the show, starting in the straight-up pool for week 17. It looks like In A Minute Man has left us, so within In A Minute Man dropping out, I have moved back into first place. I'm still in first place, which technically, I guess, makes me the quote-unquote regular season champion of the straight-up pool. 1,444 confidence points, that is in first place. I lead second place however, by only four points, and that's Gilius Thunderhead. It's just like when you kill a Sith or a Jedi in the Star Wars universe, there's always someone else to replace them. So, I only lead Gilius Thunderhead by four points. This league is far from over. In week 17, I did bring in 119 out of 136 possible confidence points with my 14-2 and straight-up record. That is a clip of 88%, and we always love to see that. Shout out to our Week 17 winner, Eagleman123, and I think that might be the first time I'm calling that name this season. Eagleman123 went 13-3 on their picks in Week 17, but managed the confidence points just a little bit better than I did in my two losses. They got 124 out of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 91%, good enough, to win the final week of the regular season, so shout out to EagleMan123 for winning week 17. In the against the spread pool, I'm sitting all alone in 2nd place right now with 132 correct against the spread picks based on Yahoo's lines. That has me in 2nd place. I trail 1st place by 3 full picks, which is a larger margin than it sounds. I only lead 3rd place by 2, so it is still relatively close here heading into the playoffs. In week 17, I brought in eight of the 16 picks correctly, 50%, obviously. Shout out to our week 17 winner. It's Gundy. I've called their name a few times this season. Gundy in week 17 had 10 of the 16 games picked correctly against the spread. That is good enough to win week 17. Congratulations to Gundy. And congratulations to Brady's back, Holly Gordon, for leading the against the spread pool, being the regular season champion. In the against the spread pool with 135 correct against the spread picks three better than me based on yahoo's lines so shout out to gundy for winning week 17 and to holly gordon brady's back for being the regular season champion of the against the spread pool a reminder to everyone that's in these pools it continues throughout the playoffs don't stop your picks now get those picks in before saturday And I'll take this opportunity, as I do every single week, to remind you that if you are watching the episode, listening to the episode on YouTube, you can go down to the description of the video file. You're going to find all my results from Week 17, all my straight-up, against-the-spread, and over-under plays for Wildcard Weekend. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools, For Season 5 of the show, there is still enough time, obviously, to get in there, win a week. It's difficult to win a week come playoff time, but it can definitely be done. Get yourself shouted out on the show. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, which is still humming, still going along real strong, especially now in playoff time. And you're going to find links to other high-quality NFL YouTube Prognosticators who get out there and do this every single week. If you're listening to the episode on SoundCloud, search NFL YouTube Prognosticators on Facebook. You're going to be able to find the group. Get yourself joined up. It's a lot of fun. We love talking football. We love talking smack. It seems like there's at least one representative for most of the playoff teams in the group. So we love that. And get yourself in there. Join in on the fun. There's not a warm-blooded football fan on the planet that doesn't love playoff time. Let's get into the wild card weekend picks for the 2016-2017 NFL playoffs. Let's do it! And for all you degenerate gamblers like Geo knows, hold on to the end of the episode as I'm going to give you a special wild card edition of a four-pick parlay to win yourself some money this weekend. So we're going to kick things off in the AFC. Obviously, the playoff teams on bye in the AFC. Number 1 seed New England Patriots, 14 and 2 out of the AFC East. They have a bye this week. And the number 2 Kansas City Chiefs who won the division in week 17. Nobody can ever say week 17 doesn't mean anything. 12 and 4 champions of the AFC West. In the AFC, number six-seeded Miami Dolphins, ten and six, as the wild card two team out of the AFC East, are going to travel to Pittsburgh, take on the eleven and five AFC North champion Pittsburgh Steelers. On the offensive side of the ball, this is a huge advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers. In general, on offense, Pittsburgh, the number seven overall offense in football this season, over three hundred and seventy yards. Per game. Miami, only number 24. They barely put up 330 on average on the season. A big difference there on offense. Pittsburgh, one of the top five passing offenses in football this season, over 260 yards per game put up through the air. Miami, As a reflection of their their game basically this season, number 26, and most of that was with their top quarterback this season, they struggled to put up yardage through the air all season. Only 218.8 yards per game put up in the pass game. The one area where Miami does have a strength over Pittsburgh, surprisingly on average, is the run game, and that's just a testament to how much Jay really blew up this season. Miami had the number nine rush offense in football this season at 114 yards per game, it was really the only element of their offense that was very dangerous for them, and it did lead them to 10 wins. Pittsburgh, they're no slouch. They were number 14, top half of the league, and it's 110 yards per game, so the difference there is only four yards, but Miami, does have a slight edge on the ground but due to their struggles in the past game they did struggle to put up points this season did the Dolphins only averaging 22.7 points per game that was only number 17 in the league whereas Pittsburgh tied for a top 10 spot at 24.9 all of this says on the offensive side it's a big advantage for the hometown Steelers Defensively speaking, the Dolphins really struggled this season as well, and it really came in an inability to stop the run. The Dolphins allowed over 380 yards per game on offense. That was the number 29 total defense in football this season. That is not going to be good enough to get it done come playoff time so there's something there about especially the run defense that they have to figure out Miami the third worst run defense in football this season the worst run defense I believe to make the playoffs they were number 30 140.4 140 yards per game allowed on the ground that is a huge problem especially against a guy by the name of I don't know Le'Veon Bell Pittsburgh, number 12 total defense on the season, allowing just over 340 yards per game. Top 12, nothing wrong with that. The secondaries, Miami was actually just the tiniest little bit better in the secondary than was Pittsburgh this season. Pittsburgh showed some weakness in the secondary, which I think has been a trend for them over the last couple of seasons. Just weaknesses where you wouldn't sort of expect them to be on certain plays. Miami allowed 242.2 yards per through the air Pittsburgh allowed 242.6 so the secondaries are basically the same Miami's was just that little tiny bit better number 15 over Pittsburgh's number 16 but the run defenses are really I think where the difference in this game is going to be I expect there to be a lot of running on both sides in this game Pittsburgh was the number 13 run defense allowed 100 yards even per game on the ground this season miami we just talked about them number 30 overall in the nfl in terms of run defense but for the steelers despite not being top 10 in any of those yardage categories they were top 10 in terms of scoring defense in terms of points allowed they only allowed 20.4 points per game that was number 10 so their defense slightly more bend but don't break than was Miami's Miami allowing 23.8 points per game that's number 18 in the league and I guess when you're giving up the third most yards on the ground number 18 probably not too bad but I think and I've talked about it all season situationally speaking this is probably the worst possible matchup for Miami in the wild card round I think aside from New England Miami would rather play any other AFC playoff team that includes Kansas City than play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh at home this season was just dynamite. 6-2 at home, outscoring opponents by an average score of 28-21. to That's a full touchdown, folks. And that's how good Pittsburgh was in Heinz Field, in friendly territory, this season. Miami, they were only an average road team. They won four of their eight road games. They went four and four. They did their job on the road, which means they were six and two at home as well. They ain't playing at home. Four and four on the road, but they were outscored in those games by an average score of 23 to 20. And what that indicates to me is despite being 500 on the road, Miami was a little more prone in their losses to being blown out. And this is the kind of game, the kind of building, the kind of team on the other side that has the propensity to blow out opponents at home. And that's what I think is going to happen. Dolphins fans, and I know there's a few of you listening because I've heard from a couple of you in the comments. It is a huge deal that you guys made the playoffs. That's, that's huge. That's awesome. That's great for your franchise. It's great for another team in the AFC East to have shown strength this season where others just plain didn't. It's nice. It's great. Unfortunately for you, I think your playoff run ends here. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers at home in a good situation to beat the Miami Dolphins. On the line, Steelers are favored by 10 points. It seems like a huge line to me, especially in a playoff game. Maybe almost a little insulting to the Miami Dolphins, but the Dolphins can't stop the run. They cannot stop the run, and when you have Le'Veon freaking Bell on the other side, if you can't stop the run you're probably going to get blown out. And then even if you can stuff eight guys in the box, hold Le'Veon Bell to some human numbers, you still got Ben Roethlisberger back there. Look, I know these two teams played earlier this season. I know Miami won that game. That game was in Miami, and Ben Roethlisberger was pretty darn limited for the second half of that game. So I know you won that game, I think it was, what, 30-15? to 15? That was a huge win for you, to beat a quality opponent, a playoff opponent in the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers were not the Steelers really they were playing on the road and their quarterback was limited for the second half of that game you're probably not going to have the quarterback being limited in the second half of the game situation here and you're definitely not playing the game at home I'm gonna go Pittsburgh minus 10 because I honestly think this game is not going to be overly close total in this game is 47 points I'm going to tell you to stay under on it because we also have the situation where we don't know what we're going to get out of Miami's quarterback play. If you get all right quarterback play, maybe this total goes over, but I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to tell you to stay under 47 points. Let's go Pittsburgh 28, Miami 17. That's how I think it's going to finish. That's 45 points. I like Pittsburgh to win straight up. I like the Steelers minus 10 on the line. I like under 47 points in pittsburgh miami the other afc playoff matchup sees the oakland raiders 12 and 4 within a hair of winning the afc west they lose it in the last week of the regular season they lose their starting quarterback Derek carr a week beforehand it's a bad situation right now for the oakland raiders they did finish the season 12 and 4 as the wild card number one team out of the afc west they are going to travel to houston nine and seven champions of a week afc south this is the game to if you're going to skip a game this week you might want to skip this one you talk about these offensive numbers for the oakland raiders you have to of course keep in mind 16 weeks of these or 15 and a half weeks or whatever is with Derek carr so they ain't got Derek carr back there so take these numbers with a grain of salt, especially in the pass game. On offense, it's a definite edge to the Oakland Raiders in general in terms of results on the season on offense. Oakland averaged 373.3 yards per game. That's number six in the NFL. And surprisingly, it wasn't all coming from the pass game. This is a team that knows how to run the football. Houston, on the other hand, the number 29 total offense in football this season, only 314.7, that is due in no small part to an absolutely anemic pass game, thanks of course to Brock Osweiler, the $72 million chump, basically, number 29 total offense, number 29 passing offense in football were the Houston Texans this season. Oakland, for as good as Derek Carr has played most of the season, only the number 13 pass offense in football, 253.2 yards per game through the air. But it's really in the run game where surprisingly both of these teams really found their edge this season. This is a battle of two top 10 rush offenses on the season. Houston, number eight with 116.2 in terms of their yardage per game. Oakland number 6 120.1 what a season for Latavius Murray and those running backs in Oakland the three-headed monster attack basically has worked out for them this season but in terms of scoring offense these two teams are not even comparable Houston tied for the number 28 scoring offense on the season only averaging 17.4 points scored per game Oakland, on the other hand, top 10. They were number seven, scoring exactly 26 points per game. Once again, of course, you have to take into account most of that was with Derek Carr. On the defensive side of the ball, I've been saying all season the Oakland Raiders are not a Super Bowl contending defense. The Houston Texans are a Super Bowl contending defense. No question about it. Houston, the number one overall defense in football this season, and that's without J.J. Watt for most of the season that is damn impressive Houston only allowed 301.3 yards per game that's pretty darn spectacular number one total Houston on the other side 375.1 these two defenses are not comparable really in any way aside from Khalil Mack really the one true playmaker on the Oakland defensive side Houston boasted the number two secondary in football this season, only behind, I believe it was Denver, 201.6 yards allowed per game through the air. Oakland, by comparison, number 24, 257.5. Oakland really struggled to stop the pass this season. They struggled to stop the run. They struggled to stop everything. But I don't really think the pass game is going to play a huge role in this game, to be perfectly honest. I believe the $72 million man is starting for Houston, and Oakland, I believe, is going with Cook, their rookie, over McGloin, who may still not be capable of playing. We don't really know, or I don't really know anyways, the extent of that shoulder injury. So it's going to be Cook versus Osweiler. Osweiler obviously has the experience edge in the quarterback matchup i don't necessarily know that he's the better quarterback i liked a lot of the tools that i saw out of cook in his limited action in week 17 now yes he had that fumble i believe he threw an interception but he did show some tools and with that extra week with the offense i think he'll only be better Houston was by no means an impregnable run defense this season. They were top 12 in the NFL, nothing wrong with that. 99.7 yards allowed per game on the ground. Oakland giving up over a buck 17. They were number 23 overall in the league, and that's going to be a problem in a game that I think is going to be very, very, very run heavy. I think Houston's going to be able to find more in the run game than will Oakland. In terms of scoring defense, despite having the number one total defense in football, Houston was only number 11 in terms of points allowed, 20.5 points allowed per game. Oakland, by comparison, only number 20 in that same category, 24.1 points allowed per game. Everyone knows how good Oakland was on the road this season. That record, really good at 6-2. However, what's important to note is the scores in those games. Despite being 6-2 on the road, Oakland only outscored their opponents on average by a single point. It was 23-22. to 22. So they were 6-2. Absolutely not going to take that away from them. They knew how to win on the road. Or, I suppose I should say, Derek Carr knew how to win on the road. Derek Carr ain't in there, and the rest of the team wasn't particularly holding up their end of the bargain in a lot of those wins. You can tell that by the average score, 23-22. to 22. Houston, on the other hand, an incredibly good home team this season. Seven of their nine victories came in Houston. They were 7-1, and one, outscoring opponents by an average of a field goal, 20-17. to 17. This is hands down the hardest game of the week to pick. It could really go either way. I think Houston is in a better position based on the game being at home and really there not being a ton of difference in the quarterback play between starter and second string. So really, whether it's Brock Osweiler or whether it's Tom Savage, it's really not that much of a difference for the Houston Texans because neither quarterback has particularly put up great numbers so based on that I have to take Houston because the drop-off from Derek Carr to any other quarterback that the Oakland Raiders has is a significant drop-off and I think Oakland's still trying to find their legs there maybe if this was week 14 and you had a couple of weeks before heading into the playoffs Oakland probably wins this game They're not going to have that luxury, and I don't think they're going to win the football game. I'm going to go with the hometown Houston Texans. But as a reflection of how confident I am in that pick, I'm going to go Oakland plus three and a half on the spread, simply because it's more than a field goal. I think this is going to be, by and large, a field goal type of game. So to take one team, Houston, by over a field goal, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hedge my bets on the spread and go Oakland plus three and a half even if you like Houston to win the game I think the game's going to end up close how close well the total in this one's 36 and a half points that's a very low total it's by a large margin the lowest total we're going to look at this week I actually think it is going to go over it's not going to sail over by any means but I think it's going to go over because I think these running backs are going to find the end zone probably once each In this game, those being Lamar Miller, if he plays, and Latavius Murray. I think they're both going to find the end zone. So I think, even with other field goals, I think the total is going to go over. Let's go 21 to 20 for Houston. That's 41 points. So it's over your 36 and a half. I like Houston straight up. I like Oakland plus three and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 36 and a half points between Houston and Oakland. All right, folks, let's move to the NFC now. Of course, your buys in the NFC this week. Dallas as the number one seed, 13 and three champions of the NFC East, home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. The Atlanta Falcons, the number two seed, they also have a buy this week, 11 and five champions of the NFC South, outlasting the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we're going to start with the number six seed, the Detroit Lions, who heading into their game in week 17, didn't know whether or not they were going to be in the playoff picture with the way that it uh, played out with the Washington Redskins. That game in week 17 became a matchup of two playoff teams in Green Bay and Detroit. Detroit losing that game against Green Bay in their home field. That means they have to go to Seattle. Woof. Detroit 9-7, the wildcard number two team out of the NFC North, traveling to Seattle to take on the 10-5-1 NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. The offensive edge, gotta give it to the Seattle Seahawks. Number 12 overall on the season in terms of total offense, just over 357 yards per game for the seahawks for detroit they did somewhat struggle on offense this season only the number 21 total offense 338.8 yards per game in terms of the passing offenses however these two teams incredibly similar 257.8 for seattle 256.9 for detroit they were the number 10 and 11 passing offenses in football this season kudos to russell wilson and matt stafford In terms of the run game, neither one of these two teams had a particularly good run game this season, so I would expect there's going to be a lot of passing in this football game. Seattle, number 25 overall, they only put up 99.4 yards in total per game on the ground. Detroit couldn't find a run game all season. Their running backs are basically just wide receivers. So, number 30 run offense in football this season, 81.9 yards per game, on the ground not a good running season for detroit but in terms of scoring offense which is really what matters how many points are you putting on the board these two teams were incredibly close seattle tied for number 18 in terms of scoring offense 22.1 points per game detroit all alone in number 20 in that category at 21.6 but taking the whole offensive picture got to give the edge to seattle On the defensive side of things, Seattle just spent another season doing Seattle things. Top five overall defense for the Seattle Seahawks. Number five overall, in fact, 318.7 yards per game allowed by that Seahawks defense. Detroit, they weren't great, but they weren't bad by any means. 354.8 has them at number 18 overall in the NFL top 10 secondary for the seahawks number eight in the nfl 225.8 in terms of yards allowed in the passing game detroit they did struggle in the secondary a little bit this season 248.4 puts them at number 19 overall in the nfl Seattle, again, top 10 run defense as well, number seven overall in the NFL, 92.9 yards allowed per game. Detroit, again, they weren't terrible, but they weren't great. They allowed a buck six on the ground overall this season, 106.3 in fact, and that's number 18 overall in the league. However, Seattle and Detroit were both opportunistic defenses a little bit of bend but don't break in there seattle the number three scoring defense in football this season only allowing 18.3 points per game detroit despite number 18 number 18 and number 19 rankings like we just talked about they were number 13 in terms of points allowed only allowing 22.4 so definitely some bend but don't break going on in detroit but I think more so than any other game this week, the situation just does not play in one team's favor at all. This is very heavily in favor of the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks, we've talked about it for seasons now, what an advantage it is for them to play at home. Seattle was 7-1 and one at home, 7-1, and one, and they outscored opponents by 11 points, 28 to 17. What a huge advantage that is to play in Seattle. And whether you like to admit it or not, that's in teams heads. It is. It's in their heads to have to go into Seattle to play a football game in Seattle. It's in their noggins. And Detroit, honestly, Detroit was not a good road team this year. They were 3 and 5. They were sub 500, the only road team this week that was below 500 on the road. 3 and 5. Outscored by an average of 24 to 21 in those games on the season what does that mean it means the Seattle Seahawks are going to win Seattle is going to beat Detroit Detroit's going to go in look Detroit's going to put up a fight don't get me wrong Detroit's going to put up a fight but it's not going to be good enough Seattle is going to beat Detroit this week against the spread Seattle favored by eight points at home I'm going to tell you to take that because they're playing a team that was sub 500 and is being outscored on average on the road and they are outscoring opponents by such a huge clip at home i think you got to take that so i'm going to go seattle minus eight over under the total in this game 42 and a half points i like that to go over because i think there's going to be a lot of passing in this game a lot of passing tends to equate to a lot of points even though seattle's defense is good and look Detroit's going to score their points. It's Matt Stafford. They're going to score their points. So 42 and a half, I like it to go over. Let's go 27-17 in favor of the Seahawks. I like Seattle to win straight up. I like Seattle minus eight on the line in a game that goes over 42 and a half points between Detroit and Seattle. And the final playoff matchup of the wild card weekend is in the NFC, number five versus number four. You got the New York Giants, 11 and 5, the wild card one seed out of the NFC East, traveling to Green Bay, who did run the table just like their quarterback said they would. The Green Bay Packers, 10 and 6, champions of the NFC North on offense due in no small part to that six game streak that the packers went on it is a definite definitive edge on offense for the green bay packers green bay top 10 offense this season 368.8 in terms of yards put up on offense per game this season new york only number 25 in the league at 330.7 pass offense green bay's in the top 10 262.4 per game this season for aaron Rodgers. that's good enough for number seven in the nfl the giants they were no slouches in this area they were middle of the pack 242.4 for eli manning that is number 17 in the nfl and it's 20 points lower than his opponent Neither team had a particularly great run game this season. Green Bay obviously really struggling to figure out who their lead back is. That was a problem all season. Remember, this is a Green Bay Packers team that signed Niall Davis and cut him... A couple of days later so green bay had only the number 20 rush offense in football this season but they did average a buck 6.3 on the ground new york the number 29 run offense in football this season 88.3 yards per game they struggled on the ground all season as well in terms of scoring offense again due in no small part to that huge six game run that the packers went on the packers are a top five scoring offense on average this season that's 27 points per game has them number four in the nfl the giants on the other hand they struggled to put up points all season 19.4 points per game is only good enough for the number 26 offense in football this season but in a classic matchup of offense versus defense the Giants defense definitely has the edge in this football game the Giants top 10 total defense this season at exactly number 10 allowing 339.7 yards per game on defense. Green Bay on the other side, due to the fact that they really couldn't stop anybody in their secondary this season. 363.9, only good enough for the number 22 total defense in football. And again, that's secondary for Green Bay. They were the second worst secondary in football this season. 269.3 yards per game allowed through the air. That plays right into Eli Manning, and the pass offense for the New York Giants. The Giants, they, they were only the number 23 secondary in football this season, so they were certainly nothing to write home about in terms of pass defense. 251.1 yards allowed per game. Where both of these teams really excelled is in the run defense, especially for the New York Giants, who were tied for a top three run defense this season. 88.6 yards per game allowed on the ground by the Giants, that's an excellent mark. The Packers were also top 10 in this category, allowing only 94.7 yards per game on the ground. I don't think this is going to be much of a ground attack in this game. But like we said before, what does it come down to? It comes down to who can score points and who can keep points off the board. And there's only one team in this matchup that managed to keep points off the board at an elite level this season, and that's the New York Giants. 17.8 points allowed per game was number two in the NFL this season. They were an elite defense this season the Packers again do in no small part to the fact that they really couldn't stop much of anybody through the air allowed 24.3 points per game that's only good enough for number 21 despite being far and away the better defense this situation does not bode well for the New York Giants the Giants were an average road team this season how average they were four and four 500 nothing wrong with that you did your job four and four on the road But the scoring in those games was 18-18 on average. 18 points scored, 18 points allowed. So there you go. They were the definition of the average road team this season. And they did show more defensive vulnerabilities on the road than they did at home. Green Bay, incredibly good at Lambeau Field this season. 6-2 overall, outscoring opponents by a full touchdown, a full converted touchdown 28 to 20 on average in Lambeau Field this season what do I think that equates to I think it equates to a Green Bay Packers win despite the fact that objectively the Giants are Mm, boy I was about to say that I was about to say that wasn't I I don't know objectively who's the better team here I think it's very close I think it's like a 1a 1b situation if these are the only two options the Giants might objectively be a more complete football team, especially on the defensive side of the football. But I just I you can't I can't go against Green Bay in Green Bay, so I've got to go with the Packers. However, on the spread, Packers are favored by four and a half points at home. I can't do that. I gotta go New York Giants plus four and a half because the Giants could win this game. They could absolutely win this game. I just don't think they will, but they absolutely could. Total in this football game is half points. I like it to go over because I think, again, it's going to be a lot of passing. Sort of the same in Seattle-Detroit. I like it to go over half. Let's go 27-23 for Green Bay. I like the Packers to win straight up. I like the Giants to cover plus 4.5 in a game that goes over 44.5 points between Green Bay and the New York Giants. There we go, folks. There are your picks. I'm going to go over them here with you just one more time in case you showed up late. In Pittsburgh, Miami, I like Pittsburgh to win the game at home. I like Pittsburgh to cover minus 10 against the spread, and I like the game to stay under 47 points, 28-17. to 17. In Oakland, At Houston, I like Houston to win the game at home, but I like Oakland to cover plus three and a half on the spread in a game that goes over 36 and a half points. I like it 21 to 20. In Seattle, Detroit, I like Seattle to win that football game. I think Seattle's going to cover the minus eight points on the spread in a game that goes over 42 and a half points. We're going to go 27 to 17 for the Seahawks. And in Green Bay, New York, I like Green Bay to win the football game straight up, but I like the Giants to cover plus four and a half points in a game that goes over 44 and a half, 27 to 23 for the Green Bay Packers. So like I mentioned to you earlier, here's a little four pick parlay for you gambling degenerates out there. This is the parlay. This is a parlay that I will be playing this week. A little four game. We got four games on the slate. Why not do a four game parlay? So we're going to play the totals in Pittsburgh, Miami, and Seattle, Detroit. We're going to stay under 47 points in Pittsburgh, Miami, and we're going to go over 42 and a half points in Seattle and Detroit. In the Oakland game, I'm going to tell you to take the spread there. Oakland plus 3.5. Oakland could win that game straight up. I don't expect it to be a non-competitive game. I expect this to come down to the last couple of plays. So let's go Oakland plus 3.5. And let's take Green Bay on the money line to beat the New York Giants. A $25 bet's going to get you $260 plus, and who doesn't love 10 times in their money? If you want to play this parlay with me, good luck to you and good luck to me. I think that's how it's going to go down nothing from soundcloud this week so we're going to go back to youtube for the comment of the week the comment of the week from the week 17 video is going to go to my man sean cote sean had an excellent comment about five days ago looked forward to your videos and podcasts all season i love the format just my opinion but i prefer the longer videos that go a bit more in depth thank you very much for that sean gives me something good to listen to while i'm suffering on the job keep up the good work justin Sean, that's what I'm here for, to make your life a little bit easier. Thank you very much. And as I mentioned in my response to you, I think I'm going to be sticking with this format next year, especially given the expansion of the show. So, Sean, thank you so much. Yours is the comment of the week from the Week 17 video. All right, folks, that is going to do it for Wild Card Weekend. we got our games coming up Saturday and Sunday. I can't wait for them. Again, just another reminder, if you're in the Pick'em Pools, the Pick'em Pools are continuing throughout the playoffs. Do not forget to get your picks in. Good luck on that parlay if you choose to play it with me. Thank you very much for the support. I love you guys for listening to this. Honestly, for talking for about an hour every week about the NFL and to see the show expand. The way that it has this season, viewership to at least double, it's its its just fantastic. I got a ton of new subscribers this season. It's awesome, and, uh, I, and none of that happens without you guys. So thank you very much for listening all season. I hope you're excited for the playoffs, as excited as I am. I got work cleared it's gonna be football all weekend and i can't wait for it that's it for me justin bridgewater's finest on youtube blockbuster underscore guy on twitter the wildcard weekend episode is in the books i hope you enjoyed it we will see you again next week when the division round begins